With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Now the most explosive force in music returns to Lincoln, Nebraska. Garth Brooks, August 14th, 7 p.m. Memorial Stadium, the only Nebraska date on the stadium tour. On sale Friday, May 21st. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and the very big Garth Brooks fan, Nate Klaus, as uh, we bring you here through the next hour of the show. And uh, big news announced here the day of our show taping on Wednesday. Garth Brooks, the legendary Garth Brooks, will be coming into Memorial Stadium uh, for an August 14th concert. Um, And they're going to sell 90,000 tickets for this thing. I mean, it really kind of came out of nowhere. Um, You had Governor Ricketts kind of, you know, scoop it on Twitter early this morning and he broke the news via Twitter and then um, you know people at Nebraska have worked on this thing behind the scenes I think Garrett Classy has been a huge part of getting this thing set but um, talk about just one of the more random big time announcements Nebraska's come up with and you think about what this means I mean it's almost like a home game revenue for the university because they're going to get a cut of this and I think it's going to open up a lot of other discussions that I'll get into next, but um, this is going to be cool. I mean, even if you're not a Garth Brooks fan, I think you're going to want to be in Lincoln. You're going to want to be down here just to experience that type of concert, that type of energy in Memorial Stadium. Well, and you look around, I mean, how many other college campuses have been doing stuff like this? Like Boulder has concerts all the time at Folsom Field or, and, uh, you know, there's, there's other concerts around in, in, in collegiate stadiums that, uh, have been capitalizing on this type of thing, uh, for, for years now. And what is this? The first musical concert or musical act in Memorial Stadium some, since the eighties or late seventies or something like that. Since so Farm Aid and like yeah. 87. Yeah. yeah. So our friend Steve Sipple went to that. He told me. <laughs> Of course yeah. he did. <laughs> but so, I mean, like, I just, I don't understand why this is something that Nebraska hasn't been doing for a while. It makes total sense. And you talk about being able to recruit some of that uh, revenue that you lost over the past year. This is a fantastic I'll, idea. I'll let Nate go here, but I'll tell you why they probably haven't been doing it for a while next. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, to me, it just signifies it's one more, one more step towards getting back to normal. I, I think that this basically, if you're, if you're going to be selling 90,000 tickets to Garth Brooks in mid-August, then that pretty much lets you know that it's going to be a packed house in Memorial Stadium every every home game for the, the 2021 season. So, uh, yeah, I think, like you said, whether you're a country music fan or not, uh, first of all, Garth Brooks puts on a heck of a performance. Second of all, this is one step back, you know, towards uh, being normal. So I think it's going to be a place for, you know, a lot of people are going to want to get those tickets. Well, and here's why the elephant in the room on why you probably haven't had concerts like this at Nebraska alcohol. I mean, Mm -hmm. what, what is, I mean, that's the elephant in the room here moving forward on this event, this event, um, because I'm venturing to guess typically concerts with 90,000 people that big are going to have, have a alcohol presence and, we know the longstanding policies at the University of Nebraska. They don't serve alcohol in Pinnacle Bank Arena. 
for Husker games. They do for everything else. They don't serve alcohol at Haymarket Park. They do for everything else that happens there. And obviously at Memorial Stadium, in the stadium, they don't, even in the skyboxes, in the, in the club seats, now across the street in the privately member-owned Champions Club, they have alcohol. Um, so I am going to be really curious how this is addressed. Is this kind of the precursor to slowly rolling in alcohol at different things. And I don't, for the record, I don't expect them to sell alcohol in the stadium. But what I do expect is a very large tent or presence around the stadium um, where you can, you can get drinks. And what I do expect is a very big premium placed on those parking spots around mm-hmm. the stadium with massive fun tailgate parties. And our neighbors here outside the Husker Island offices in the rail yard are going to really benefit uh, from this. And I mean, who knows? Pinnacle Bank Arena could be utilized as a spillover party area. I mean, this is going to be one of the largest concerts and events, obviously, in this state's history. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I guess as far as selling beer in the in the stadium, obviously, the infrastructure is just not there. I mean, they don't have the beer taps. They don't have any of that set up. So twist would, off. But and then if you if you do the twist off bottles, you almost have, a, have to have a truck. I exactly. Mean, and, you and need a lot of space to keep all that. For 90,000 people, that's a lot of twist off bottles. So, <laughs> that's a lot you know, of trucks full of Yeah. Beer. So, I mean, th- there's a lot of logistics involved in doing that, but I mean, Bill Moose has been relatively I mean, not vocal, but you know, he's kind of insinuated that that's something that I mean, he wouldn't be totally opposed to, but there are also very influential people around this state and university and athletic department that are very much against the idea of selling alcohol. And some of those campus. people were against gambling. Yes, they are. And, and they gambling is passed in <laughs> so, Nebraska. So, so this has kind of been sign I mean, the times. Maybe it's been Nate, a pretty breakthrough year in that sense um, with the gambling in the state. And I mean, the Warhorse casino is going to be mm-hmm. built, um, which will be the largest casino in Nebraska a miles from Memorial stadium. And the potential of having a presence of alcohol, maybe not in the stadium, but served in licensed tents potentially by the university. Well, yeah, and it, you know, it might be a good test run or, or, or I don't know if you want to call it a dry run or a wet run or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but I mean, this might be, you know, this might be a chance to kind of see what it, what it would be like, you know, if, if people can, if, if they could handle it, if people can handle uh, having, having alcohol at a, at a Nebraska football game. But, and I don't know that would be all that hard to, to move in, you know, mobile, I don't know if, if they're called mobile like kegerators or, or mobile taps of some sort to the existing, you know, concession stands in the concourses. I mean, something tells me that you could figure it out pretty, pretty easy. They wouldn't have to be, you know, strictly, you know, twist off, you know, aluminum bottles or whatever. So, you know, I, I think that uh, I think this is a good opportunity for people to get together and figure out how to make it work and see if it makes sense to do down the road. The problem with the Memorial Stadium is I don't know if it's built to have 90,000 people really drinking. With, yeah. with, 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 with The bathroom situation is difficult enough and, with, you know, Pepsi products. And enter, <laughs> enter, entering and exiting your seat. And exactly. I mean, I, I just don't even want to think about some of the things you might see around that stadium <laughs> that, you know, especially with, if it's like a three and a half hour show, like mm-hmm. Garth Brooks typically puts on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and then you get the scenario of, and Bill Moose is, he, he said this once on his radio show. What, then what you get are people that will just take four or five beers and slam them before they come back in the stadium. You well, know, yeah. and, and that, that's, I mean, that's, what's going to happen. I mean, if they have a tent presence, a tailgating presence, a champions club presence, a rail yard presence, 
you're going to, before you go in the stadium, you're going to go to gate 25 or whatever and say, give me three Bud Lights, and you're going to be one, two, three, and you're going to run in the stadium. And is, is that really safe? Well, and there's going to be a lot of creative ways to sneak booze into the stadium as well, where you know you hide bottles in your coat and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. Sir, it's August 14th. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you wearing a giant down coat? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. Like, People are going to get uh, get sauced up no matter what because it's a, it's a fun concert and it's Garth Brooks and uh, his following generally likes to have a Well, this time. is going to bring people from all over the Midwest, not just mm-hmm. Nebraska. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, you're going to have people not not just from all corners of the state, but, yeah, you're probably going to draw people from Kansas and Missouri and Iowa, South Dakota. I mean, there's going to be a lot of a lot of people that that come to <laughs> that want to come to this concert. Um, you know, and like like we've mentioned, with 90,000 tickets, you know, that's what three, four times the, you know, the size of, of uh, Pinnacle Bank when they when they put tickets up for sale for a concert. I mean, um, this is the eighth home game. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially for Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to get a four to five million dollar maybe potential revenue because I'm guessing Garth Brooks is going to get a huge chunk of this money mm-hmm. as he should. But Nebraska is going to get a huge chunk of this money, too. And it, it's going to almost play as like the eighth home game. That Nebraska tried to boot Oklahoma for. They would have had nine home games at that point. If, if uh, but it's going to be just a great way to roll in. I mean, just the. I'm just thinking about the buzz that weekend or that 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 time it's going to bring with the start of the football season. Students back on campus. Hopefully, the mask mandate long gone. And ninety thousand people at a Garth Brooks concert. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be that time of year again. It's going to be a, a great kickoff event. And you compare something like this to DJ Cool playing. <laughs> Let me clear my throat in front of a, a handful of students. Like, I mean, look how far we've come. Remember Lee Greenwood? Nate, yeah, and, I remember uh, that. He's saying, um, "Proud to be an American," America. or "God bless America." Yeah. But yeah. that was at the end of the game, or was because it, it wasn't the national anthem at the beginning. No. It was at the end. Yeah, and he played a couple songs at least. Yeah, so, and I think Larry the Cable Guy was the last like entertainment act and that was what 2009 or something like that so yes it's been a little while i'm showing my age but i was at tom green and that that was the homecoming (laughs) a great idea that was in his peak (laughs) tom green came into memorial stadium and did a homecoming stand-up act that was brought in by the university and they must have not really researched tom green very well but he made the real little red get out of his costume and tom green put himself in the costume and then Rick Schwieger, the former public address, the, the the original public address announcer, really for the stadium at that time, Little Red pretended like he was performing <laughs> acts with Rick Schwieger. Oh boy! <laughs> and Tom Green also physically touched some of the Scarlet Dan. I mean, it was a nightmare. And the university had to send like public apologies. <laughs> I don't think they have to worry about that yeah, with Garth. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, so there's been some fun times here, and I think this one is going to, you know. That one slipped by administration because yes. once that was going on, I was a freshman in college, and I was like, I mean, I was like, whoa. And that was pre-cell phone camera day, obviously, and whatnot. But the cancel culture would have been all over Tom Green and – 99 when he came here yeah i just don't understand how nobody does research on what that guy made his living on and watch his watch the show for like yeah. 10 minutes I mean, he's literally like made a career off shock value and you bring him in to perform in he put himself in the little red outfit and got on top of the public address announcer <laughs> oh boy with the microphone on so yeah all right when we come back we're going to talk about football things and nebraska has put out the long-awaited 
testing marks, combine marks that we have not seen in like 20 years. We've got the vertical. We've got the pro agility here. We're going to talk about that and the transfer portal. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and A. Klaus. This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. It is your premier sports bar in Lincoln. Fully remodeled, brand new TVs, brand new furniture, brand new paint, flooring, everything. It's a brand new sports bar. I promise you, you'll go in there. You'll enjoy your experience. It is the best place to watch games right now in Lincoln. They get all the Nebraska baseball BTN Plus feeds in there. So if you want to go in there and watch Husker baseball versus Northwestern this weekend, if you can't go, they will have it on at Tanner's as well as all of your other sports action going on around the country. But guys, I want to get to the transfer portal first, then we'll talk about testing. Two entries this week, uh, both wide receivers, DeMorian Houston and Jamie Nance, both Oklahoma natives, uh, both failed to get on the field in two years when Nebraska's wide receiver play has been maybe the worst two years we've seen. And, you know, when you go from Bill Callahan to now, probably some of the worst play of receiver at Nebraska we've seen. And these two guys couldn't get on the field. In fact, Nance and Houston didn't suit up this year for games because of the COVID restrictions. Um, Nance played five snaps. Houston played no snaps. And I, I think when you look at it, it's the big story here is, all four of the class of 2019 receivers have not made it. And, you know, Nate, when you look at that, I mean, do you put the finger blame on Troy Walters and, you know, identifying talent that just didn't fit the Big Ten, just bad evaluations? I mean, how do you size up the 0 for 4 2019 receiver class? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think part of it is bad evaluations. Um, some of it's bad luck, too. I mean, you had Wandell Robinson part of that that class, and he did pretty well while he was here, but obviously didn't finish his career out here. Uh, Darian Chase ends up leaving the program for personal reasons, mental health, uh, you know, uh, reasons. So, I mean, that's you know, I don't know if you can necessarily put that on the coaching staff, but I do think you know, with with Jamie Nance, Demarion Houston. You know, both these guys were, were kind of smaller wide receivers. They they weren't tiny. They weren't you know five eight, you know a buck sixty, but they were five eleven, six foot, you know one hundred and seventy, one hundred and eighty pounds, and and uh, you just really didn't see you know them kind of progress and, and take that next step forward. And I don't know if that's on the coaches. I don't know if that's it's on the player because you know at some point the player also has to to continue to develop both mentally and physically and. Um, you know, I think Houston looked like he was developing physically. Uh, Nance didn't necessarily appear, you know, a whole lot bigger to me uh, from what I could tell. But, yeah, you know, neither one of them really, you know, had took advantage of the opportunity that was in front of them. And um, and there were plenty of opportunities. I mean, I think I think last year would have been a, a great year for at least one of those guys to to really take a step forward. Uh, because the door was wide open, you know, with with what was happening with Nebraska's wide receiver situation there, and and they just weren't able to do it. And so uh, now you look at what they have, and you know they're six to eight deep, and and neither one of these guys were really in the mix. So I, I think they just got recruited over. Yeah, and on the chat this week on our uh, weekly Red Sea Scrolls chat, you know, people were basically just asking, you know, is how big of a concern is it that there was that many misses over those those past those 18, 19 classes, and it is a concern that 
none of those guys panned out. I mean, and the guys that even were good ended up leaving. Uh, Marcus and, Fleming. Yeah. And so, I mean, like th- that's definitely a reason to concern. But then on the flip side of it, uh, you can also credit the staff for reshaping their recruiting strategy and the player profile that they're targeting at wide receiver to where that room looks significantly different. They're going to be good this year. Yeah, receiver. I, mean, I don't they, care. I it's mean, a big 10 receiving core for the first time since Frost has been here. Maybe even before that, it is a legitimate big 10 group to where they have elite level size, speed, strength, and depth. And they have not been able to say that for far too long. And so, yes, they had a lot of misses and it cost their offense. The passing game has been dismal as a almost a, a very direct result of not having elite level receiver play. Well, they've been able to address that in a big way with the past two classes to where suddenly what was once one of the biggest questions on the offense is now considered maybe one of the bigger strengths. All right, guys, I want to talk about testing numbers. Now, Nebraska put out their top index marks, um, and, and before they just put out the scores. And it, that was kind of just a empty metric because you didn't know what guys did with these, these you know, Robin Washington had a 2,200 index score. Well, you didn't know what that meant. Now we're getting some more clarity. Um, on Tuesday and Wednesday, Nebraska put out their top vertical and top pro agilities. Uh, Oliver Martin had the top vertical at 40, Chris Kalarvik 38, Isaac Gifford 37, Jojo Doman 36 and a half, Nadab Joseph 35, Reimer 35. I think one of the more impressive ones was Cameron Jurgens at 34 and a half. And then on the pro agility front, um, you know, they had some really freakish times. I mean, some of these times, as former Husker Ben Eisenhart pointed out on my Twitter feed, would rank towards the top at the NFL Combine. So it makes you. I don't I want to say question the timing method, uh, but Deontay Williams would have had one of the top all-time pro agility times ever. And he's a great athlete, but you, you wonder, you know, how these were timed compared to, say, the NFL. He was a 3.75 second. Wyatt Lever, 3.77. Adrian Martinez, 3.83. Oliver Martin, 3.95. JoJo Doman, 3.97. So some very, very, very impressive marks uh, when you look at um, what they've put out, and um, we should get the 40-yard dash and the 10-yard dash times as well. Yeah, and so, I mean, you take these numbers for what they are, uh, and I think you could say that about even going back to the pro day numbers. I mean, uh, talking off air, like I'm, this, before the NFL draft, like Penn State's pro day, like their entire defense ran four four forties, And so, you know, we'll see how accurate those actually are. But, uh, you know, it at least gives you a gauge of who the – better athletes the faster athletes the more explosive athletes are on the team uh and you know obviously Deontay uh, had a great score and you know Oliver had a great vertical but one guy that jumps out immediately to me and this shouldn't be a total surprise but Jojo Doman I mean he was one of the top scores in both of the two categories released so far where um he had 36 inch vertical and then also had a 3.97 in the pro agility and that's at 237 and a half pounds and that tells you him covering um Rondell Moore and at Purdue wasn't a fluke. I no. mean, he he can move and run. And uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that he's two thirty seven now kind of caught me by, by surprise too. So uh, we didn't see much of him this spring, obviously, because he he didn't do anything. But uh, that is those are some really impressive numbers for a guy that size. Well, and look, I mean, Nebraska's not releasing these numbers unless they're good. impressive. Yeah. If they weren't, <laughs> if they weren't good, they wouldn't be releasing them. And that's why, I mean, honestly, that's why we haven't seen him for a long time is because. They probably haven't had ten guys on on each test that you sit there and go, oh, "Dang, that's, that are thirty six plus yeah. under four second. I mean, it just it's it hasn't happened in a long time. So, more so than the numbers, I think you can the, maybe the biggest takeaway is that hey, they finally have a roster where they've got you know a, a 
large collection of pretty good athletes on the team. Finally, it's not just one or two standouts, you know, over, across the board. It's it's a large group of guys, uh, each different, uh, you know, forty or pro agility or vertical or whatever, you know. I, so I, I think to me, that's probably one of the bigger takes is I actually have a team where they can release these numbers and and get people talking about them. Yeah, it will be interesting to see just how these numbers change over year over year. Um, you know, and when they're going to do this, because, you know, it took a while to put these out. I mean, they, they did this a long time ago. Um, they did it before spring practice yeah. started. Um, so I, I'd, I'd like to kind of know the reasoning why they waited until May to put these out. Why not put them out before spring ball? And I, I think and naturally strength coaches are really hesitant about putting these out because guy, guys are guarded. I mean, I asked, I asked Adrian Martinez, what did he run his 40? In? And he just is like, nah, I'm good. You know, if they want to say, they can say, but I'm not going to say. And I think naturally, you know, when you talk about pro futures, some guys are really guarded about these numbers getting out, especially if they're not good numbers. Yeah, because it can it can brand you at the next level. When people see a 40 number or whatever it is next to your name, then that sticks with you. And even if you're you're fast and you're you're fast on game day, you know, you're going to be judged by your time, right or wrong. And that's just kind of the nature of this, you know, draft analysis where, you know, players are picked apart in every direction that if you get tagged with a number early in your career and it's not one that you like, you know, that, that can maybe hurt you. Cost you some money. Yeah, it costs you some money. Well, I'm curious about the 40, too, because we heard guys talk about how this the 40 that they ran is different than what – the, the pros run at the at the NFL combine whereas it's a laser start and a laser finish not a not a handheld start with a laser finish and so I don't know if they went back and kind of readjusted the 40 numbers or you know or if they're just not going to release those ones or or what so th- those are the ones that I'm really interested in all right when we come back we are going to talk basketball as uh, things have continued to pick up for Nebraska basketball with recruiting, uh, adding some new games to the schedule. We'll get all that from Robin Washington next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, as we talk Nebraska basketball as um, it's starting to pick up with more recruiting and schedule talk and just other nuggets Robin's picked up here as we're in the offseason. Uh, but Robin, um, probably the biggest story with Nebraska basketball was Bryce McGowan's. He played in the Iverson Classic All-Star game, kind of another version of, you know, the McDonald's All-American or, you know, games like that out there. What was the big takeaway with Bryce on that stage? Well, first of all, that was the All-Star game because there was no McDonald's All-American game. They did like all their stuff virtually, you know, because of COVID stuff. And so this was the only national All-Star high school basketball game for the 2021 class. Uh, And so this was a big deal. I mean, literally, it was a who's who of the best high school basketball players in the country. And future lottery picks, future number one overall draft picks were playing in this game. And Bryce was one of them. And so as a result of that, you know, it was hard to stand out. I mean, you're standing up against, like like I said, the, the best of the best. But, you know, he still was able to make his mark in a way. It was a two-day event where the first day was uh, some practices and then a skills competition with a dunk contest, all that stuff. And then the next day, uh, I think they did another practice and then um, – were able to play an all-star game and NBA scouts were able to attend that and watch these guys live in person. So uh, talk about an opportunity and um, in the game itself, he only played minimal minutes. I don't know exactly how many minutes he played, but it wasn't much. He came off the bench, uh, ended up with six points, 
Uh, he had a stretch where he hit a three, they got a stop, they threw it out to him for a, a breakaway dunk, and that was kind of the highlight of his night. Uh, but the story, the bigger story, was the, the night before, uh, during the, the skills competition, he finished second overall in the three-point contest. And so a lot of people look at Bryce as this kind of get-to-the-rim, uh, you know, explosive finisher type guy. Well, he showed that he has uh, just as good of a, a perimeter game as, as anybody could have expected. And so uh, that was really good to see. You know, him able to showcase stuff like that. And, you know, while he didn't have the biggest impact in the game, there were some reviews that came out from just evaluations. And one of them was uh, from Jonathan Giovanni, who is basically regarded as one of the best uh, NBA scouting uh, analysts out there, works for, for ESPN. And he just raved about Bryce and said that, you know, he has all the, the skill set, the, the frame, the intangibles that NBA teams are looking for. And uh, NBA scouts are going to be keeping a very close eye on him uh, this next year in Lincoln. So a great opportunity for Bryce and a great opportunity for Nebraska to be able to, you know, one, get Bryce potentially to the league and two, have Fred at another more recent five-star player that came to Nebraska and ended up making it to the league. I mean, you talk about five stars of like Isaac Copeland was a five-star. Was he a four? Yeah, he was five. I mean, that, that but they, they had to get him like the untraditional way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this as is far obviously as high school. He's the only one. So, yeah. And when you look at a guy like him, I mean, is it just like a foregone conclusion? Everybody just knows he's going to start. I mean, when, when you like start to build your roster, like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. I mean, just because of he's talented enough, uh, and he can do different things. Um, We'll see. The strength thing is the biggest thing with any freshman. Uh, I mean, he's he's a wiry kid that uh, maybe his biggest weakness is being able to finish through contact, especially against big 10-level front courts. So how well he adja- adapts to that, just the physicality of the, the high major level, will ultimately determine where he starts out. But clearly, talent-wise, he is every bit as good enough to start from day one. All right, Robin, I want to ask you about something else. You you talked about this off-air, um, but it's a really interesting nugget about one of Nebraska's 2021 recruits here. Um, Wilhelm Breidenbach? Yeah, Wilhelm Breidenbach. And he came in as a six foot nine rivals one fifty guy, but is he still six nine? Yeah, so really interesting story that uh, just kind of came out of nowhere the last week or two. Um, you know, assistant coach Matt Abdelmasi was on a local radio station, ninety three seven The Ticket, um, and one of our affiliates. Yeah, one of our affiliates, and uh, just dropped this random nugget where you know he he referred to Wilhelm as six eleven, and you know they were like, wait a minute, six eleven? Well, he's listed six nine. It's like. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, over this past offseason, he went to a specialist because he realized that he had a a hunch in his back to where he was kind of hunched over. And so he went to the specialist that got him to work on his posture and stand up straight or straighter. And as a result, just by being able to adjust his posture a little bit, he went from 6'9 to borderline 6'11. And so now all of a sudden, Nebraska has this kid that uh, is a... Inside, outside threat. He's ambidextrous, finishing uh, at the rim. He shoots three pointers with his right hand. He shoots at the rim with his left, uh, and you know he can he can beat people off the dribble. He could shoots, you know, upwards of 40 percent from three point range. Uh, his team's undefeated right now. Modern Day Academy down in California. Because they're playing ball right now. Yeah, their player season's going on right now, and they're killing people. And so uh, this is a reason why I, before I even knew he was six eleven. 
was pointing to Wilhelm as a guy that isn't getting talked about nearly enough. Obviously, Bryce McGowns gets a lot of the pub and, um, you know, C.J. Wilcher and, and all of the big names they've been able to bring in uh, over the past 21 class. But this guy, he committed early, so people kind of forgot about him. And then he is just a guy that just keeps getting better. And he's getting taller. And I, I really like what I think he's going to be able to bring to where you talk about immediate impacts. He's right there at the top of my list. If he's 6'11 at the start of the process, is he? Is, how many more offers does he have at that point? I mean, that changes things. I mean, there's a, a like, again, we, we talked to the last segment about just 40 times and stuff like that. If people look at 6'11 and they see that you're shooting the way that you're shooting, that, that changes the game a little bit. Because you're affecting that many more shots. Exactly. And the, those that, that, that height differential can can make a big difference in a lot of different ways, especially when it just comes to perception. And, you know, Wilhelm, he's got the goggles, and everybody just kind of writes him off because he doesn't look the part. But when you tag 6'11 next to watching the film of his game, he's, he's got some dog in him. I mean, he's not afraid of anybody. And, like, they, they play against some of the best competition in the country. And so he's playing five stars on a nightly basis. You know, Sierra Canyon, you know, playing against LeBron James' kid and all that stuff. So, I mean, like, he, he's not afraid of anything. And I, that's what I'm saying. I think he's got a great opportunity to come in and be an immediate impact guy as a freshman next season. Well, I know who our uh, his name, image, likeness deal is going to be with our friends at Kugler Vision that had a <laughs> one-year agreement. Uh, they might be looking at Wilhelm as, as, a, as a name, image, likeness possibility yeah, he might, but you know what he's he's embraced the, the goggles nickname i think he likes it it's kind of part of his his game so he's got he's got a kirk rambis going you, you know it's i mean one of my good friends who played college basketball jared anderson who was a coach of north high for he coached justin Patton in high school he wore goggles growing up and uh, once he got in high school i think he got contacts or did some, but he played with the guy you just don't see it that often anymore i think it messes with people's heads when they see a guy with goggles because like usually dudes that wear goggles are really intense and so you gotta you gotta know you gotta bring it against dudes that, that rock goggles on the court and lastly robin schedule news not big earth shattering schedule news but slowly but surely the non-conference chips are coming together for Nebraska. Yeah, they've added uh, the most recent game was a home game against Kennesaw State, which you know, a lot of people were excited about that. But you know that game is going to do exactly what you would think. It's going to give Nebraska a great opportunity to get better, get some depth uh, on the court, and more importantly, win a game. And so uh, they've got Idaho State at home. They got Kennesaw State at home. Um, Creighton at home. Uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, which that opponent won't be released until later this this summer fall. Uh, and then uh, they're at Kansas State at home because uh, remember that game was supposed to be played last year starting in Kansas City in a neutral site game but because of COVID that got postponed so they're in Lincoln this season and then in Kansas City in 22 and then in Manhattan in 23 so uh, obviously some things still to be determined people were asking about the Gavit games the Big Ten ACC crossover or no Big East Big Ten Big East crossover Creighton is now Nebraska's Gavit game opponent so don't think about that as a potential addition to the schedule for whatever reason they just started to say you know what you guys play every year let's just make it your gavit game matchup so the N nebraska will no longer have two big east games right wow i know they they it's that's only been a couple years what ago. a bad deal for creighton i know and nebraska i mean creighton was getting like wisconsin or exactly. you know they were getting a quality so so as a result of that you're going to see both those schools and really everybody else 
really pursue consistently those neutral site multi-team events. You know, they did the golden window uh, thing at, in Lincoln, which it was what it was. But, you know, they were supposed to play in the Myrtle Beach Invitational, and then that got scrapped. So uh, they will probably play in something like that this year that will give them some high major opponents on a neutral site, which helps boost your net, boost your net rankings, uh, while also not having to throw you directly into the uh, woods of a, a true road game. So like Marquette, Wisconsin, that's probably a Gavit game yep. now. And then Xavier, Ohio State type yeah. of game. I mean, I don't know how it works for other schools. I wonder if they just <laughs> got tired of scheduling Nebraska against people. But, yeah, I mean, I, I that's, like DePaul, are they just going to play Chicago and Northwestern kind of? I mean, just games yeah. that make sense. It's almost like who are we going to match Villanova up with? Yeah. I mean, that, like we're going to put Villanova against Michigan State and Michigan exactly. and kind of have that marquee game, but we don't really care about the Nebraska yeah, game. I, I think the, the, the annual tag probably only applies to some schools because obviously they want to put Michigan State against Nova. Yeah, those types of games. So, you know, it, it is what it it's is. It's like the Big 12, uh, Big 12 SEC. It's like, who are you going to – how many times could we have Kansas and Kentucky play? Yeah. You know, and, and that's like almost every year in that deal. Yeah, and, you know, it's like the, the Big 10 ACC challenge where Nebraska only plays teams that the football team played in the Orange Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> we will match up this 1987 Orange Bowl yeah. Classic. They're going to play Clemson for a fifth year or something. Clemson, like Miami, and Florida State. We only match up all the Orange Bowl matchups for Nebraska. I'm hoping that they get pit this year. Uh, I think that would be for one. It's it'd be get a good Notre match. Dame on there. It's a winnable game, and you know you got the the Trey McGowan's you know connection there. So there'd be some fun storylines, and so who knows? All right, when we come back, mailbag time. We'll take your questions. You're listening here, to the Oscar Line Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, taking your questions in the mailbag. And guys, a lot of stuff going on um, with uh, football, basketball, recruiting, transfer portal, baseball season. First question out of the, the gate here involves the transfer portal. There have been several guys, as we know, that have entered the transfer portal since Scott Frost has been at Nebraska. And for the most part, you know, many of them were, you know, transfers that make sense. But there's obviously been some over the last three, four years that, you know, you would like to have back. Opening question, who's the t- – outside of Wandell Robinson and Luke McCaffrey, who is the top loss Nebraska's had in the transfer portal? I'm going to go Marcus Fleming. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little bit I saw of him, and then he kind of took out his practice clips. He you know, on the on the secure system of Nebraska and filmed him with his phone and videoed him and put those out. His practice clips of what he showed, pretty electric. And I think that's a guy you wish you could have figured out a way to make it work with Marcus Fleming. Yeah, I mean, he was by far the most productive freshman last year of all those wide well, He only played one game. But he did really well in that one game. And Elante Brown, you know, didn't do anything. And obviously Will Nixon was hurt. So, you know, I mean, he, he showed that he had the opportunity to be an impact player. So, yeah, he's he's got to be up there. You know, for me, as far as proven production, J.D. Spielman. I mean, that guy was on pace to set every receiving record in school history had he finished it out here. And, you know, obviously he had a lot of off-the-field stuff going on. And, um, you know, you can judge how big of a loss it was because of that. But strictly on the field from talent and production, J.D. Spielman's about as big as it gets. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I think J.D. Spielman's probably, you know, the the one that that hurts the most just because of what he everything he accomplished here and everything that was ahead of him I mean he just he, he had every record conceivably every receiving record uh, you know out there just ready to break and so 
Um, you know, maybe one out of the what could have been category. You know, Avery Roberts is the guy that went to Oregon State and had a pretty darn good career there. Um, you know, who knows, had he been able to stick it out at Nebraska, you know, would that have, you know, would the things translate the same? I don't know. But, I mean, he – it seemed to have worked out for him. I think um, France Wall and Keyshawn yeah. Green are going to be ones to watch, too. Yeah, and, th- and those guys will be ones to watch for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, I mean, Marcus Fleming, he certainly flashed quite a bit in just his very limited, um, you know, game games that he played or, or one game that he played. Uh, but then you watch those practice clips and you're going, holy cow. I mean, they – they could have found a role for him in this offense. They could have found a role for him as a as a return guy. I mean, coming out of high school, we knew that he was pretty special. But, um, yeah, he there's a reason why he was able to go power five to power five, where a lot of the other guys that, that left Nebraska did not go power five to power five. They took a big step down from Nebraska. And he'll be at Maryland, so we'll, we'll see him. Uh, next question involves Friday night games in the Big Ten Conference. Do you expect the league to have any this year? Um, could Nebraska be in one? And I would say, yes, I think they will probably have a couple. And when I say a couple, not counting opening weekend, I think you're always going to get a Thursday, Friday slate. Um, Michigan State, for example, always opens on Friday night. That's their deal. Minnesota, Minnesota. likes to do a Thursday or well, Friday. Minnesota and Ohio State, they're like on Thursday. Thursday. Night, yeah, yeah. That, that's a Thursday. Um, but Nebraska will never host a Friday night game in Lincoln. No. I mean, it, it won't. You don't need to. It's only places that don't typically draw well, mm-hmm. like a Maryland and they need the TV Rutgers exposure. and Illinois. They, they are okay with that, and they want the TV exposure. Um, but I think the Big Ten, you know, generally we've seen them do about two. So uh, we'll see what the schedule looks like, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw one or two on there. Yeah, and I, I like it. I mean, in, in small doses. Now, I don't want it to be like a, an every week thing, but when you can, you know, you're sitting on a Friday night and there's a game that you probably wouldn't. Hopefully it's a road trip where we can watch the game with Andy Kendi and our guys in the bar somewhere. Exactly, yes. Yeah, so you're getting straight to the point. But, you know, it's a game that you wouldn't normally watch. Like, you know, if like Michigan State, Maryland are playing, you know, like I probably would watch another game besides that but if it's a feature friday night game i'm going to tune in i'm going to be dialed in on it yeah as long as it's not nebraska i don't really i don't really care one way or the other but if it's a nebraska road game i don't care they did that with illinois yeah illinois i remember people freaked out about that i mean my course like lost his job over some of those decisions yeah (laughs) i mean it was it was difficult i remember i was at garrett nelson's game that friday night and people in the stands were you know on the, when you're watching the game on the sidelines people were listening to the nebraska game and giving updates on the score from the nebraska game and people were upset they're like oh, i gotta listen to the game on the radio and you know while we're out here watching you know watching our kids or watching our you know supporting our local guys out here at the, the high school football game people were upset about that so uh, and I remember, I mean, we missed basically all but the last, like, I don't know, five, five, ten minutes of the fourth quarter or whatever it was uh, that night. But, yeah, if it's any other team out there, really, I, I don't really care. But, you know, Nebraska, let's just let's keep it the, you know, Saturdays. That, I'm good with that. But what you try to see them do is they, they want to put a Penn State or a Nebraska on the road on a Friday night because mm-hmm. then that draws a number. Yeah, it draws a number. And, and that's that's what this is all about, as we know. And that TV contract dictates these decisions. So um, it will be interesting to see what the league does on some of these Friday night deals. And like ne- Nebraska this year, for example, has the two bye weeks later in the year 
would they try to put him on a Friday? I mean, on the road somewhere, I, you know, at, like could the Purdue games in Lincoln this year, but like a Nebraska at Purdue on a Friday night. I mean, that's the type of game that they, they try to look for. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're listening here to the Husker online show as we take your questions in the mailbag. Give me your most, besides Cam Taylor Britt and Connor Culp, who is your most likely all-conference player? And I, I think you can go in a lot of directions in this. I'm not going to say every name because I know I'm going to upset you guys if I go through, like, the list of names here. Um, Appreciate that. But I, I'll say Adrian Martinez. I mean, I, I think if he plays like he's capable of, you know, Michael Penix is the clear, you know, front runner for all conference, but he's coming off injury in the conference right now. I think Adrian Martinez has a legitimate chance to put himself up there this year. Yeah, and I'd probably go somewhere on the defense. Um, you know, I think Ben Stelly, we coming off the year that he had, uh, if he's able to replicate that, uh, I mean, that's he's kind of the the face of what should be a very good defensive line. And usually if your unit is good and you're the best player on that unit, you're going to get vaulted up. Uh, so I would probably put him right at the top, but statistically – you know, um, maybe a guy like Chris Kalarovic comes out of nowhere and gets a ton of tackles, you know, especially with Honus being Jojo out. Doman, Jojo Doman, you know, with, with his, you know, NFL pedigree that he's got. So I think there's a lot of names on defense, especially in that front seven that you could choose from for me. Yeah. I, to me, I, I think you automatically have to look at any of those super seniors that, that came back. Deontay. Yeah. Deontay Williams, um, or even, you know, Cam Taylor Britt. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, I, I would personally go with JoJo, um, you know, and, and probably look at look at him to be that guy. I think Samori Torre could get himself up there yeah. too. I mean, if Adrian has that kind of year, Omar Manning for that matter. I think Nebraska needs to have a thousand yard receiver, and Torre or Manning could easily be that kind of guy. <laughs> the better question is, can they have a thousand yard back? And and that's really something that nobody knows here. All right, guys, and final question, what's the strangest encounter you've either had personally with Coach Frost or seen with Coach Frost? And I'll go first on this. One of them was this winter. I was in our lovely sponsor, Sports Bar Tanners, um, with my wife. We were just having um, a late meal, and we ran into Coach Frost and some other people I knew, and I was wearing my um, Dodgers stocking cap, and, and he thought I was wearing a Creighton camp, cap, so – that was kind of awkward to have to explain to Coach Frost, and he's a big Cubs fan. Um, so um, on top of that, he's obviously not a big Dodgers fan. So he, I had to explain I was not wearing a Creighton cap uh, to Coach Frost. And then obviously his opening press conference when he got hired at Nebraska, he roasted me um, <laughs> to a national television audience um, that the highlight of him coming back was being asked a question by me. So that that kind of – uh, made my face turn pretty beat red. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that was good. That was good. So I, this one, I wasn't on the bike. So if in Lincoln, there's a company called Group Therapy Bike Tours that does these little trolley bikes, and they ride around town and you know go from bar to bar or whatever. It's a, it's a good time. But uh, back in the April of 2019, so all the full disclosure, my brother-in-law runs that company. He sends me this video and is like, hey, Check this out. And it's one from one of his bike tours where this like sorority group, or they're all like cheering, you know, having a good time, listening to Miley Cyrus or something like that. And then it upholds this black, you know, decked out Silverado. And then all of a sudden it pulls up and Scott rolls down his window and just gives like a little wave. And it's like the Beatles showed up with like the <laughs> amount of high pitched screaming that comes out of it. Uh, I tweeted it. You can probably look for it, but it's uh, one of those videos that kind of embodied the star level that Scott Frost had when he first got here. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have got a great one. One, one thing that does stick out to me was shortly after Frost was hired, 
Um, and I don't even remember all the details surrounding it, but somebody had sent like, uh, 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 like a homemade toy of some sort, a wooden. Do you remember this, Sean? Well, <laughs> where were we? Okay, it was like a uh, homemade, and they, it's a it's a backstory to that. Um, I did a public speaking event at the Bellevue Knights of Columbus, and uh-huh. one of the members there made this rocking horse okay, for Coach right. Frost, yeah. and they gave it to me. Okay, <laughs> and and in front of like five hundred people, they presented me this horse. <laughs> And enlisted me to give the horse to Coach Frost. And, like, I mean, this guy was so prideful. He made this really cool rocking horse. And, like, I didn't know how I was going to go about and do this. So I went to the North Stadium, like, not like the, the security tent. And, and I talked to the guy that I, that's worked there for years and said, hey, this is not from me. <laughs> this is from the Bellevue Knights of Columbus, and it's a gift for Coach Frost and his family, and um, they wanted to personally give it. And to, to and, and Coach Frost wrote them a very nice handwritten letter, and it was really really nice. But I I was in the mi- I got caught in the middle of this thing, and I I had this rocking horse in my car, and like I got to get this thing because they're going to ask me, did you give it to Coach Frost? <laughs> I, I like to think of the, the security guy like calling up to the North Stadium, hey Coach, uh, Sean Callahan's down here. He's got a rocking horse as a gift for you. Well, and they had a. It was like it was a big drawing raffle, and the guy that he's like, instead of taking this, we are going to give this as a present to Coach Frost and his new baby boy son. And to be fair, Coach Frost talked about it on the radio. He got it, but I did not want to make it feel like I made this thing and gave it to him. Like so, I had to figure out how to get it up to the football offices without really being involved. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's that's one that sticks out to me. Yep. <laughs> So that was a good one. Thanks for, uh, I, I totally <laughs> forgot about that story, but um, that was a, a fun experience uh, with our good friends at Bellevue Knights of Columbus. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show with recruiting. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, the class talking recruiting now as Nebraska, really the calm before the storm you know, you're probably not going to see any commit action happening um, for the most part until June, Nate, as, as we talk about it. But the one that we're watching closely remains quarterback because typically by June 1, you better have your quarterback. And Nebraska has been targeting a few different guys, but MJ Morris, the four-star out of Atlanta, Georgia, is really the name that's risen to the top, was supposed to make his announcement this week. That's been pushed back. What is the latest with MJ Morris? Why did he delay his announcement? And do you still like the Huskers' chances? Yeah, well, I'm not exactly sure why he decided to do uh, to delay that announcement. I think that you know part of it just has to do with the fact that he's wanting to maybe get out of school first, um, let the school year finish before he does anything. Um, but it's Nebraska, Georgia Tech, and in North Carolina State, and I think everything for the most part, is kind of trending Nebraska's direction here. I mean, a few days before he left to to visit Nebraska for the spring game, uh, Florida State, which had been arguably the, the team to beat, picked up their second commitment of their, uh, of their 2022 class at the quarterback position. So that effectively eliminated Florida State just days before he took his trip to Nebraska. He loved the visit to Nebraska, um, you know, was really impressed, obviously, like everybody else was with the crowd and the energy 
but also, you know, what they showed on offense. And, and he felt like he could fit into that very, very well. Um, and, and then was slated to make a, a decision on May 12th, that you know, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, but you know, he's, he's kind of delayed that. And so uh, I still like Nebraska's chances. I think it's, at the same time, probably going to be difficult to uh, to maybe get him away from Georgia Tech or NC State too. I guess they're they're relatively close to, to close to Atlanta. But um, I feel like you know if I'm Nebraska, I would like to have their their quarterback take an official visit to where you could spend one on one time with this kid, uh, whoever that may be, before they make a decision. Because up until now, the the coaches have not even. Had it's any, zooms. Yeah, it's all Zooms. It's all phone calls. It's all text messages. They're, they're, they've not been able to sit down with a player um, face-to-face and have a conversation uh, or draw anything up on the board or you know, kind of get to know them a little different than you can over a phone call. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But the fact that he did not line up his official visit yet or has not lined up his official visit yet to Nebraska is, is the one thing that, that you know, has me kind of pumping the brakes before we're going all in saying that Nebraska is the team to be. Yeah, because it's at this point, like, what are you waiting for? Like, yeah. what, what, what – offer or situation do you want that you don't have yep so yeah it's it it meanwhile there have been several other quarterbacks that nebraska's on that have said yeah i'm visiting in june i'm i'm coming in for a, an official visit or i'm going to be taking an unofficial in june and and then maybe a, an official in the fall or or whatever but uh, like you mentioned, typically in a normal year, you'd like to have your quarterback in the class no later than June 1st. And, and honestly, probably no later than May 1st in, in most cases. But this year is going to be a little bit different. I, I don't think that we're going to see a quarterback uh, commit before the month of June and, and probably kind of, you know, it'd probably be mid June before we see a quarterback really jump on that offer. And, and, but once that does happen, I think things are going to really take off. Yeah. And June 4th is the first true weekend for Nebraska. And we've got seven official visitors and obviously these lists are going to just keep growing. Um, but the, the big thing, Nate, to watch is everybody that comes on campus will be able to do a one hour workout, um, with, with the prospect and, um, this is the one way that NCAA is kind of making up for the lost time on the road because typically you could go to track meets and basketball games and weightlifting classes and football games and football practices. You have not been able to do any of that. So who the heck knows if some of these guys can even play, you know, and yep. they're going to allow these workouts to happen. And, um, you know, some of like the hardcore programs like Alabama, you know, typically to commit to Nick Saban, you have to do a workout there. They make you go to camp. And, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of schools that are, going to be very selective that can be and say look we'll take you but you need to work out for us before we verify your offer and commit yeah there's no question about it I mean and LSU is another one of those programs especially with their defensive backs I know that that's that's always kind of been the rule of thumb if you have an offer as a defensive back to you know LSU um, that's un that's a, a non-committable offer until you go and, and perform at their camp in person and and kind of go toe to toe with with some of the, some of the other wide receivers and other DBs there that they've offered and that way they can kind of more or less hand pick you uh, as as being you know worthy enough to to commit to them so you know I think that we're going to see an awful lot of that uh, I think you have those and and that's one thing that the NCAA has gotten right here I think that. Um, with the lack of in-person evaluations that's taken place, obviously, over the last 
14, 15 months. Uh, this is one thing that they've gotten right. It's going to benefit both the player and the colleges. Uh, and so I'm really interested to see how many of those guys or how many players make it to Nebraska's campus for the sole purpose of working out. I know one of them in particular is, is Chris Brooks Jr. Uh, Chris Brooks Sr. obviously is uh, you know, a former, former Husker out of St. Louis, was a former four-star um, wide receiver and uh, Nebraska has reached out and, and you know they want him to come up to campus on June 11th for a, a visit and for a personalized one-on-one workout and so um, you know I think a lot of these guys are going to have an opportunity to earn themselves a scholarship or maybe not maybe they already have that scholarship but they could be kind of vaulted up the board so to speak uh, and maybe you know maybe kind of given the green light to go ahead and commit to that offer uh, after some of these individualized workouts. I look at like Carson Haggerly out of West Fargo. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's a three-star with no Power Five offers yet. He's got a group of fives, but I, I think he's a guy that has to work his way into a Power Five. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one kid that I think is going to have to you know, take advantage of these one-on-one workouts, and and it, it might only take one too. I think then the other know, offers might follow. exactly. If, he's a ten-nine guy, yeah, six-three. Yeah, if he goes to Nebraska and gets a, you know. Uh, does the workout, gets the offer, I guarantee you that other schools are going to be like, okay, well, they saw enough to go ahead and offer. They saw what we all have been looking at on film or, or you know, everything that we thought was probably verified by Nebraska since he went to their workout. So now we're going to offer. So Vince Genitone. Yeah, he's another great example of somebody who, uh, you know, if he, all he needs is one good, solid one-hour workout. And the, the floodgates will probably open up for a guy like that. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we wrap up recruiting discussion. Nate, uh, kind of off topic here, but a former Husker commit that Nebraska kind of parted ways with, Tony Fair, um, a big defensive nose tackle that was committed a couple of classes ago. He turned into like the the bell of the yeah. ball in the transfer portal here, um, had about double-digit Power 5 offers in a day, just made his announcement Wednesday to Auburn. Yeah, and It sounds like Purdue was a close runner-up, but – uh, Tony Fair, I guess, I'm trying to remember, did Nebraska have to cut ties with him because of academic concerns, or they just didn't really know if he was going to be a fit? Well, it, it, both. Uh, I think there was a lot. There was a lot of layers to that story, um, and one of them was that he was just kind of a he was kind of a different kid, a little bit, a little bit of a flaky kid, and and I I think that there was some concern, like, okay, well. If he's if he's kind of wishy washy as a recruit or kind of acting this way as a recruit, what's it going to be like once he gets on campus? Um, you know, I know there was some concern about him physically too because he was, you know, they want their nose tackle to be pushing, you know, three twenty, three thirty, but he was like at one point in time like three hundred and forty five, three hundred and fifty pounds, and so can he keep that weight under control, uh, or or is this something you know is kind of indicative of of his uh, discipline, you know, or is this going to be an issue once he gets to campus and it just the, the list was long and so they ended up parting ways with him and uh, he ended up signing with UAB and then goes to the transfer portal and now he's at Auburn so I mean that's one example of the transfer portal really working out in, in a kid's favor where if if you kind of have you know if you're a position a premium position player and you you put your name you know put enough on film and put your name in the portal sometimes you can really vault yourself up all right well lots to follow this weekend husker baseball northwestern and obviously we'll keep you up to date with all of the latest in nebraska recruiting thanks again for joining us this week on husker online your authority on nebraska athletics 